Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non League podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited as well. Of course uh, there's been no football, we're all still on lockdown uh, but I am still John Phipps, I'm still here and on the line now of course he's still here is Mr Matt Gerrard. How are you Matt? Yeah not bad, not bad. We're, um, I'm working from home majority of the day now so um, yes yeah, crazy sort of times. Um, respect that if we've got any teachers listening because Getting the kids to do any work is tougher than I imagined. Um, they'd rather watch telly, really. But um, they've had work, so they've got what's on recording us about one o'clock. So they're back. I've just told them, like, back to work at two. I did hear that, yeah. That. So, uh, yeah, apart from that, it's um, I mowed the lawn at the weekend, did some other jobs around the house, but uh, haven't, I've been told by the wife not to download Football Manager. So. There you go. Well, that's uh, that, that's bad times because you could have played Football Manager 20 for free uh, until yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, I know. It's tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But uh, I may not have been uh, ignored, uh, ignoring Football Manager. Uh, in fact, it may be on it in the background behind uh, the window I can see at the moment. But uh, that's by the by. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, as we say, it's, it's funny times. And, you know, we are going to try and keep... Uh, going even though the conversation I had this morning when I uh, announced the news I was doing a podcast at one o'clock was why uh, we are trying to do this mainly because obviously it's still a developing story things are going on but also because you know people need a bit of a release don't they you know and and, and it gives us a chance to to talk to each other and uh, just get ourselves sort of out and about and and imagine that we are not just sat in our houses for 24 hours a day at the moment yeah, it's, it's good to catch up with you, good to catch up with a few people we've spoken to in the game as well, how they're coping, but everybody's sort of coping in their own way, and if you read the news, it, it seems to be working, uh, the social distancing, staying home, and hopefully we can get back to some normality in the summer anyway at some point, so. but again, there is more important things for football, but it's nice to talk, talk about it, isn't it, because it's, it's the game we love and the game that we are missing, because we... You know, by now, Dover would have won the last four games, top of the table by now. So you're missing that sort of thing, aren't you? I really am missing that sort of a blind optimism uh, <laughs> that uh, that is coming from you there. Um, I mean, are you going out? Are you getting your exercise or are you just being a good boy and, and staying in? No, I, I, I have to pick up the backup takes for work. So I go into work for, for about 9 to 11 in the morning. Um, I'm the only one there apart from the big boss. Um we did go for a nice walk on Sunday on the beach. Yesterday, uh, we didn't go for a walk, but we'll probably go for a walk tonight. Eight. But when you say to the kids at six o'clock, we're going for a walk, it's like, well, like everything, it's just, uh, uh. So they've got Kevin the teenager sort of thing already for that, but we need to get out, really. Because... I hate to point this out to you, mate, but your girls are, what, 10 and 8? You've got yeah. you've got much, much worse to come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that is the concern. But, um, but, every, but, yeah, so. But, yeah, I do admire the teachers because um you know, I presume they've got more power than me. They clearly they have because they listen to the teachers, but they don't listen to their parents. Well, their dad anyway. Have you got much uh, structure to, to teach them, or is it just you know a bit of a free for? Yeah, school's been pretty good. We're sending stuff through. Um, I've printed some long division, and Megan was supposed to do on her sat, so um, on that. So we've got some French homework, um, and Georgia does had a bit of. Um, she goes to another sort of session place, and they, she's got a, she's had a one to one with that. So there is some sort of things in, but. It's supposed to be half term from tomorrow, so for two and a half weeks or whatever it was. But we will still be doing some sort of work with them. So, but they're again, I'm, luckily I'm not speaking to other people who have got kids. They're in exactly the same position, so I'm not too concerned that my two kids are the only ones who are not working because I think everybody else is struggling with it. So, I guess this is a, a challenge for you as well. What, what was your best subject when you were back at school? 
I've got history A level, English A level, and the general studies A level, which is that. But I used to love a bit of history, so history was my yeah. I did enjoy history, so that was my favourite sort of subject. So I don't mind a bit of maths now and again. But we've really come across the when we're doing doing long division. I've really said that, but that's the answer. But you haven't done it right, Dad, because of course they do different things how we did it. But you'd be amazed how much you rely on a calculator if you told me to divide three hundred and sixty-five by eight or something, even though that will be a remainder. You know what I mean? You, you, make, you, just, you just go straight to your calculator, don't you? So, it's funny because I, I was quite good at maths at school. I got an A in GCSE, but I had no desire to take it further. And, and I've always been kind of a bit of a... Uh, I wouldn't say I was a difficult pupil, but I, I had... Um, I, I had quite a realistic out, outlook. And I, I kind of knew when I was 14 and 15, I'd never be doing that algebra again. Yeah. But, uh, my, my wife, business we were in, she did have to do some um, trigonometry. So, you, so when you do this, occasionally, occasionally you do have to learn from that. But yeah, you would never, never know. But I do some of the questions that come up on these SATs tests. I think I've got no idea how to do that. So, and they're for eleven-year-old kids. So, it's a bit like the eleven plus. Because some of them I didn't understand on that. But yeah, but fair play to the people who are keeping it going. And I'm sure some people are loving teaching their kids at home. But it is hard work, and uh, again, because they don't really. You know, it's, 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 they don't really understand what's going on. They do, but they don't, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it must be hard when you've got, like, uh, slightly younger kids as well, I suppose, for people, uh, and one of our guests on today's show is in that sort of boat. But, you know, these kids are used to going out to play group and nurseries and, and school and stuff, and then being told, actually, no, you can't see your friends anymore. That must be really hard. And I suppose it's still tough for your girls as well. Yeah, I think they're missing it a bit more. Uh, the older one's, you know, quite happy. She's sort of... Um, Thing, but the younger one likes to socialise a little bit more, so she's missing her mates and things like that. So, yeah, I think that's more tough on there that they're missing their friends, really. So, but you know, we'll eventually we'll get through this and they can they can enjoy it. I'm sure. The things there. Well, I don't know if I mentioned it last week. The beach hut's gone. No. Did I that last week. No. The beach, they're not putting the beach hut up, which in all of this is heartbreaking because we walk past the beach and the beach hut is there, but the feeling is they will not be opened. Oh no. Summer. And that that is my place to go and forget about the world so that is a bit heartbreaking I've, I've been to Matt Gerald's beach hut and uh, it's a it's a very very nice spot you've got there I'm devastated yeah, yeah that is heartbreaking heartbreaking that the beach hut is um, I know there's bigger things to worry about that's, that's the only thing I'm I'm gutted at because I love the beach hut so but hopefully it'll come back but thinking that maybe this, a bit like everything a bit like Wimbledon I think they're going to cancel the beach hut 2020 There'll be no memories in the memory bank for it. No, we um we went out for a bit of a walk yesterday about four o'clock. We just had a stroll along the promenade and it's a bit eerie. And then we sort of had a conversation last night and, and Hayley hit the nail on the head. She said, I just want to go out for a meal because that's something we've always done together yeah. in our 10 years together. It's always been our number one activity. And if you say to people, like people, some people go to the cinema, some people watch the telly. Our number one thing to do is to eat out. And we're like just absolutely uh, although not that we're not eating well because we can both cook uh, particularly Hayley is a phenomenal cook but you know we are eating well but we just love to go out have a, a bottle of wine something to eat and a couple more drinks somewhere and just hope that hope upon hope that we can just get out and do that soon because you know we, obviously safety is paramount health is paramount and and you know it, it's very important but it, w that's what we're missing the most yeah well you, you don't really appreciate things until they're gone really so um yeah, I'm sure we'll be out. So well, I'm sure that it's all over. There'll be a big party and everybody will be out in the streets. You might even know, even have um, 
street parties and things like that. But hopefully it will go from there. As long as I've got some B and B guests, I'll, I'll, I'll exactly, be alright. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully people go on holidays and things like that. Yeah, that's, that's the most important thing as well, of course. And I'll tell you what else as well. This is this has hit me this week, and, and I don't think I've ever um, confessed this on the podcast before. So uh, prepare to get some pelters. But I still watch Neighbours, and um, they've gone is down. Really from the glory days. Yeah. New Carpenter. Uh, no, um, Carl and Susan's still in it. What is she looking like? She was quite attractive back in the day. What, Susan Kennedy? Yeah. Uh, well, she's she's obviously aged, mate, um, is yeah, all yeah. I can really say. But um, they, they've gone... Madge, Madge, uh, she's dead. Harold. He's uh, gone... I think he's gone up up the coast somewhere. They all went to the Gold Paul Coast. Paul Robinson's got to be in it. Paul Robinson's still in it, yeah. Um, I used to, Paul Robinson, he was married to the... Is it Alessi's twins? Yeah, they, uh, they, were ba- they came back... Uh, last year, actually, for a couple of episodes. What were they looking like? Uh, yeah, not bad, actually. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> favourite ever one was Bronwyn. I think it was married to Henry. Right. Okay. I, she, she hasn't ever come back, and I don't know what she, she looks like. Yeah, but, I like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Pl- plain, plain Jane Superbrain's been in it quite a bit lately. Is she? Back yeah. In it? Yeah. So. She's still married to Des Clark. Uh, she's just got remarried to Des Clark. He's back in it as well. Just basically, two weeks ago was the 35th anniversary. They brought back a load of old characters, and there was five weddings. And the last one was Plain Jane, Super Brain, and Des Clark. He had FA Cup here, didn't he, Des Clark? Still does. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, well, that was a program. And also, uh, I, I did quite like the lady who had the affair with Carl Kennedy. Oh, Sarah Beaumont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was nice. Um, but yeah, the, the the but the big news is it's been on five days a week. It's now gone down to just Mondays and Fridays. Oh, right. Did you ever watch Family of I, I, I Saying that, I have been to the set on Ramsey Street. So have I. I, 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 I. We met back in 97. I met Toadfish, Billy, and the girl. Anne? Must have been Anne. The young girl, yeah. They're mates in it, yeah. So I met all them. Oh, brilliant. So, I, when I went in uh, 2009, I met Dr. Carl. So, you know. But yeah. He's a bit of a legend, Carl. He must be the longest servant. Or oh, Robinson is as well. Yeah. Stephen Dennis. Yeah. Also, good. also in it now is uh, Jason Donovan's real life daughter is playing Paul Robinson's granddaughter. Jason Donovan's daughter. His real life daughter is in Neighbours. Really? Yeah. I thought he lived over here. He, he does. Yeah, she's English, but she's over there now in, in Neighbours. So, wow. Yeah. What a show. What, what a show. Well, make sure and tune in on Friday and then Monday because it's only on Friday and Monday at the moment. But yeah, it's still half one, is it? Yeah, yeah. What a program! Yeah, exactly. It would be on in about, in fact, sort of quarter, quarter to two normally, but uh, not at the moment. It's still repeated twice a day. Uh, yeah, quarter to two and half past five. What a show! Stephen Dennis. Yeah. Is he still got uh, lattices? Yep. It's, 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 uh, yeah. well, Jim Dale went big, didn't he? He did. He went very big uh, yeah, after yeah. his untimely death. Uh, as uh, as it. anyway, yeah, moving yeah, on. Um, yes. As much as I've enjoyed the neighbours chat, uh, this uh, is our 117th episode uh, this week, and I have more great chat coming up. Um, as well as apparently, Matt, and this is another thing you should know. Uh, Psalm 117 is the exact middle chapter of the King James version of the Bible. Um, but uh, 117 is a uh, number that you can in Japan you phone up and that's the speaking clock and you have to pay for it. Um, do you know how many people a year call the speaking clock in the UK? 
It'll be amazed how many, probably. 50,000. 12 million calls a year, apparently. Really? Apparently so. I don't even know what the number is now. No. It's your fortune. I know. But what, what? I just... I, Oh, there you go. I can't. I can't even <laughs> find the words uh, to describe that people are still ringing the talking clock in this day and age. Anyway, uh, let's move on and talk about the football. Obviously, last week we did a show uh, on Thursday, and and within hours of us actually recording it, uh, the season was declared for steps three down to six, null and void. It was an FA decision uh, that all of the leagues, uh, so that that is the Isthmian League uh, downwards would be null and void. The season's finished and the, and everything just doesn't count. Um, it's a decision that has split a lot of people. Uh, we're going to be hearing from one person affected shortly. Uh, but Matt, what's what's your thoughts on, on the decision? I'm surprised they've null and voided it. And I see that certain clubs have said it about it. I'm surprised. I think you've got to keep some integrity of the competition that you've got to get teams coming up and teams going down. They've played a lot of games probably three quarters through the season. So I'm surprised Yeah, you end the season now. Right, yeah, that's what it is. But the sides who are in the promotion places or in the relegation places, if it works against you, will take their place in the next league. I, I think um, just for the integrity of the competition and people who, who put blood, sweat and tears in this and put a lot of money in it in certain cases, I think that should have been the way forward. So I, I do feel a little bit of... Um, disappointment for the clubs involved in this because that must be absolutely heartbreaking for that because it, really the season's wasted you know if you finish mid-table you finish mid-table but if you're in a promotion position it must be absolutely galling for you yeah I did put a message out yesterday uh, asking anyone who thought null and void was a good idea to come forward uh, unsurprisingly we had no responses uh, my own view on it is is that it's a decision that didn't need to be made uh, at, at this stage because we're still uh, in the early stages of uh, this sort of lockdown uh, and what's going on. And I, I just think that what they've got to do is it, it's all got to be uni uniform. You know, they ha they've got to wait. I think they needed to wait to see what the Premier League are going to do, to see what the Football League are going to do. And then the knock on from there, because the problem is, is we know that in the Premier League, money is going to be the be all and end all of all of this, because there will be television companies, there'll be sponsors, there'll be everything will have a factor in that. So they need to make a decision. But it needs to be the, the same decision needs to be for all of the leagues. Uh, I think that, that well, I mean, for, for a start, if they come out, the Premier League come out now and say the season's null and void, there will be riots uh, in a certain area of a big city in the northwest. Um, but I, I just think that, that the real difficulty of the decision that they've made now is what, what's going to happen if the Premier League say, right, well, we're going to finish this season and we're going to start again in October. Where does that leave all of our clubs? You know, we need to keep the football pro the football program needs to all stay on one sort of path. And if the Premier League are going to start their new season in January, then our team's got to start their new season in January. It's as simple as that. And, and I just don't understand why the decision had to be made this week. Yeah, I think you know the petition's gone out for certain sixty clubs, and some of our Kent sides have discussed with that. And I think probably they're, they're not going to back down because of the petition or the 60 places. It does seem, I presume on the basis of this, a lot majority of these teams are not going to be affected by it. If you finished, you know, from 8th down to 18th or whatever, there's more clubs who say, well, we're not, we're not going up, we're not going down. 
we might just end it now. We don't have to play a thing. I know the contract situation is a little bit strange on this, so that's one of the things you're thinking. But I presume that, that, that hopefully they've taken the views of the clubs on involved, but maybe certain clubs were quite happy to finish it because where they were in the league, as I just described. So I, I can't believe the FA will back down on this, but it does seem a little bit early to do this. Maybe the, the 1st of May or something like that. We've still got April to get through. Could have been a wiser decision. So I think they may have jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, some teams uh, not in Kent... Uh, were already promoted. Uh, Jersey Bulls, I think Boxall Motors, had already secured their promotions this season. Uh, and now they've been told, well, actually, no, it doesn't count. And I think, you know, that is just a... a, a and, the, and the other thing as well is that the only teams really that would lose out would be those who are relegated. And and I suppose we can count Ebb Street United in that. They would be relegated if, if they're... But there's going to be... We don't know what teams are going to... St- survive this there are going to be there's going to be a lot of reshuffling there's always a lot of reshuffling but there's going to be teams higher up the pyramid who don't make it through this this crisis this this current scenario because they're going to run out of money so surely that they didn't need to say right nothing counts they just needed to just say right well we're not we can't see it playing again we're going to wait guidance and see what happens further up but you know just it just seems to me like such a poor decision and they've not thought about the people at the clubs and, and I can kind of understand people saying well you know the Premier League is everything and, and, and lower league football grassroots football was nothing and, and kind of says that because we don't know what's going to happen in the Premier League but apparently we're told that all the clubs that we've spent the last what six months seven months doing podcasts about was a waste of time yeah maybe the FA should have looked into that I know the contract situation is a difficult one and when we speak to Andy Hesson Tyler later when you hear from him you, you get that issue. the contract situation thing, and maybe the FA should have looked into the contract situation with this club. Right, with these players here, you know that's how it's going to work. But it seems a, a hasty decision. Um, again, we don't. You know, it could be all irrelevant if we're in lockdown until the end of June. I think probably you've got to knock things on the head from that point of view. But I think they just got to keep it open a little bit. And the FA, I just think they've. I'm with you there, John. That they've sort of. You know, middle of March or 25th of March whatever it was they announced it I think they're just a little bit short-sightedness there like they probably could have waited a little bit longer even if they said right we're going to make a decision on the 1st of May that gives certain things to go through look at the contract situation but it just seems you know, a hasty decision I know, I know we're in difficult times but the FA haven't really shown they've shown well it's criticising for not showing much leadership here they've clearly shown some balls in doing this but clearly it's the wrong decision and again I hate to be making those decisions but I think they probably could have given it a few more weeks before making this none of the decision they've made yeah, one team particularly affected by this are Corinthian, a club that we've covered a lot on on the show, and they are second in the in the scaffold, uh, top on points per game. Uh, they are in the FA Vars semi-finals, uh, and they've been told at the same time as everybody else will actually know the season's none avoid, but we're hoping uh, to play the FA Vars. Uh, so I caught up uh, just before I spoke to Matt with their manager Michael Golding to ask him his thoughts on the situation. I don't think there was ever any doubt that stopping football for the pandemic is 100% the right thing to do um, and obviously I was just saying it, it pale football does pale into insignificance at the moment at some point it will come back to being very important to people and it's, it's one of those things that you need to get the right balance um, the null and void decision I think probably a lot of clubs have their own interests at heart and probably rightly so but 
we we definitely felt it was probably a decision that was taken too prematurely by the FA and it was hastily made rather than maybe looking at all the facts and giving it a little bit longer to see how this all played out. After coming second so close last year <laughs> and then yeah. being top of the points per game table and in such great form, do you feel like you're the unluckiest manager in Kent? <laughs> yeah, I certainly feel that way. Um, yeah, it's tough. Last year, we obviously weren't quite good enough. We missed out by a point, lost in a cup final. But this year, whatever way you look at it, we were the top of the form uh, guide over five games, over 10 games, over 15 games. Uh, we were top points per game. If we won our game in hand, we would have gone top physically of the league as well. So it's, it's t- a tough one to take this year. Last year, like I say, we weren't quite good enough and the, the table doesn't lie. Um, and it's just difficult that when you get to this stage of the season and everyone says, oh, don't look at the table till Christmas, January, February, and then the table doesn't lie. And I, I genuinely don't think it does. I think we would have gone on to win the league. Obviously, we had the, the carrot of the Vars as well, which was an additional extra in the cup final against Sheppey. But we were in such good form and we were just winning game after game after game that it would have taken a, a very good side to stop us. I suppose, obviously, you will have one view on it because of where you are in the league. Um, but, you know, can you kind of understand the mentality that would say null and void is the way to go? I could understand in like August, September, October even, but we're right at the business end of the season. We're at the end of March now. We, we knew roughly where teams were going to finish. So why do you think that they should have just looked at the points per game? I think, yes, I think there's... There's a couple of things floating around on Twitter that maybe you could have looked at home points per game and away points per game and come up with a scenario that way. And I think the one I looked at, Beckenham would have won the league and we would have finished second. But whatever way you look at it, Beckenham and ourselves would have finished in the top two on points per game. Now, I know Sheppey at our level would argue that they had a very easy run-in uh, or an easier run-in than the others, and, and they would have fancied themselves and they were, they were still backing themselves to get promoted. So it is tough, and I can, reluctantly, I can see why the FA have gone null and void. However, I know we as a club can really, really strongly disagree with that decision. Yeah, you talk about that. I mean, obviously, there is a letter doing the rounds. I think there's 64 clubs on it, and, and, and you are on it, a, a letter uh, to the FA asking them to, to, to rethink the decision. Uh, and I think it's that. I think it's highly unlikely, if I'm honest, that the FA are going to change their decision. But I think it's just the non-league clubs feel a little bit let down by the FA that this decision was made within 24 hours. It went step five and six were season postponed set three and four and then within 24 hours it was null and void and nobody had any football to look forward to or anything like that so and again I get the pandemic is absolutely the priority and and we need to get that right and that's going to take a long long time to be sorted but a lot of people have put a lot of hours into non-league football and and for a lot of people it's it's to do with the mental health side of things as well and a lot of people who are invested in their clubs and managers and players have put in a lot of time and people that go and watch these games football and non-league football is their is their release from work and, and from reality so it's to take that away as well within that short time frame it, it just leaves a bit of taste in the mouth if I'm honest yeah I think that is the thing isn't it about how much time uh, and, and certainly other clubs a, a lot of money's been put into things and, and pushing things away and and it feels like almost it's for nothing and, and I wonder if there will be people at the top of clubs somewhere thinking well we wasted our time last year why would we bother again in the future it wouldn't surprise me if people thought that way, um, particularly when, like you say, if it was in August, September, October and with 10, 15 games into the season, you can kind of understand it. But the fact that you're 70, 75% of the season complete and cup finals and, and everything like that, you just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people did start pulling the plug or particularly on money. But on what's, what's the point if the FA aren't supporting us? Um, what, what's the point? 
I mean, obviously, we don't know when things are, are going to restart, but the, the FA have said that the VARS is still an option. W would you welcome that if they can find a way of fixing it? Yeah, I think, again, selfishly, from our point of view, the, the, the feedback that we're getting from the FA, which is limited at best, is that the VARS, the trophy and the FA Cup are very much their priority to get sorted. And realistically, they're their only competitions. The Premier League is an entity that runs itself. The Football League is the same. So the FA needs to keep hold of something. So having the FA Cup trophy and VARS, um, and of course, we're, we're 180 minutes away from potentially playing at Wembley, which is a, a once in a lifetime thing for these boys. So we, of course, will we'll hang on to that. Um, realistically, I think it's going to be highly unlikely, like I said earlier, but we, we will certainly hang on to that for as long as we physically can. And what do you do now? I mean, obviously, you've still got players who, who will be part of your club and you'll be, I suppose, the, the uncertainty means from a football point of view. And I mean, as you say, rightly say, the virus is paramount here. From a football point of view, are, are you thinking about a, a future season and when things will, will start to kick off? Or are you just completely just putting it to the back of your mind? I think that we're probably in the most difficult position out of all of the scaffold clubs because we have still got the carrot of the VARs and the FA saying, no, they are going to play these VARs games, whereas nobody else and everybody else in our league has no football. So they can start to fully prepare for next season and players that they want to speak to, whereas I will know for a fact that our players are being spoken to at the moment by other managers, but we still potentially have three games left. So I think we're in a very difficult position at the moment. We, of course, have got um, eyes on players that we've played against this year and we know of that we, we think could come in and add to what we've got but we've gone very close last year we would have won it this year or would have got promoted in my opinion so we don't need a massive overhaul of the squad so as long as the boys buy into the project again which is a massive ask for some of these boys to commit three seasons to effectively get two seasons worth of football it's a big ask, but but yeah, it, it, I feel like we're a bit bit of a, a crossroads in terms of wanting to play the Vars and me in terms of preparation, not really knowing when anything's going to happen, which is absolutely fine, like you say, but the having the carrot of the football is tough when we can and should be speaking to players. Are, are the players keeping fit? And, and, and I suppose it's they're, they're as unsure as everybody else. Yeah, no, I'm I'm speaking to the players on a daily basis, and and they just want to know really. They they want answers, and they want to know if if the vase is going to happen, and and just all the stuff that we've just spoken about. The players have no idea, and and we're all in the dark a little bit really. But yeah, they'll all be ticking over. They'll do, be doing their own bits, and I'm not unrealistic. We've we've said to them like, you're you're amateur players. You're all non-contract. You you look after yourselves in the way that you would have. By, by being safe um, but I know a few of the boys have got home gyms and others are going out for runs and cycles so again I think probably more so for mental health than anything is actually getting out there and being active rather than worrying about football might be happening in six weeks three months six months and, and I suppose just, just finally what are you doing to, to keep yourself busy away while we're in lockdown effectively yeah, so, so no school, no football. So my, my two big stresses and time factors in my life are all completely gone. Um, it's been nice, I suppose, nice being at home with the kids. I've got two two little ones, a two-year-old and a, an eight-month-old. So actually getting to spend some quality time with them has been really nice. Um, it's harder than what I realised being at home. Um, but yeah, just just trying to tick over, like you say, just, just trying to be busy and I'm becoming quite good at jigsaw puzzles. So that's entertaining me at the moment. You can tell the frustration there, Matt. And he did say to me as well that, another thing that is uh, particularly frustrating for him is there hasn't been a lot of feedback from the scaffold he'd like to know you know what, what did the scaffold vote for 
um, points per game or null and void or, 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 or what happened there. And, and, I, and I can kind of understand that. You know, there, there hasn't, as you can hear from him there, there's not been a lot of feedback from the FA. And it even got to a stage where their FA VAR semi-final was on a lot later than a lot of games were. Uh, and, and it's just a frustrating time. Yeah, again, Skeffel, again, is it Lee Chairman who make this decision or from that point of view, did they, did they go to the clubs? Clearly, Michael Golding said and say from there, he hasn't any correspondent with the, the Skeffel, but the Skeffel may take it from the FA, from, from that, from their viewpoint, yeah, we'll agree with what you do. So, yeah, it's disappointing for them. Um, I've been brilliant over the last season. You know, he's confident we said in there they were going to get promoted. So, it must be a little bit galling for him. Again, uh, you know, I hate to say it, what he said in there, I can't believe they can cancel the league and still play the FA Vars. It just doesn't make any sense, the FA doing things like that. And I, and I feel for from that. And they should, if that if the other ones are gone, scrap the whole competition, um, the FA Cup, the trophy as well. So I think that's, again, the FA, I think you made a great point, the FA haven't really got much to worry about there. They've cancelled the league there, but we'll keep our own competitions going. So, yeah, I, I feel for him a little bit. Um, I think he said it was a hasty decision. And a lot of hours have been put on this, and you know people's lives revolve around their non-league clubs. So I feel for them as well. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just a hasty decision, and I feel for them, Quinton, a little bit. Oh, like I feel for all our side. You know, certain sides that you know haven't had a great season. They're middle of the table, are going to get relegated. But it, it must be difficult for them with the financial side and the hard and toil have got in. And another point, he said that you know if you've invested a bit of money in a non-league club this year, which we know is whatever level in, you have to invest a bit of money. You think was not avoid what was the point of that? You might have just burnt the money, so and there will be ramifications for certain clubs, I'm sure. Yeah, we did mention in there that letter 64 teams, I think it is, on, on that list. There's three from Kent. Uh, Corinthian, the current scaffold leaders, Beckenham and Herm Bay, who are in the playoffs. And obviously we spoke to them a couple of times in the last few weeks, are also uh, signatures on this letter asking the FA to, to reconsider. Um, I just I say just what we were saying before that interview. I just think it was just done so hastily and just give it some thought. Look at it and think, no, come on, let's let's let, let's wait and see what happens, because ultimately, it's all well and good saying, all oh, well, these leagues are all finished. And then if the Premier League and the Football League restart, then what's going to happen to our clubs? They're going to, you know, they're just going to be twiddling their thumbs, no income at all. It's just, it's just madness. Oh, I'm sure the Premier League's going to start because you say money's involved and, he, and the television rights from that point of view. And yeah, I feel sorry for that. This, this will run and run, but I think the FA probably are going to stick by their decision and, Petitions for glory, I don't think it'll work, and I feel for those clubs. Yeah, um, we don't know yet what's going to happen uh, with the National League, uh, National League and National League South, and well, and the National League North as well, for that point of view. Um, they are they are keeping their powder dry, which is possibly a, a more sensible decision, as we've kind of discussed several times. Uh, however, it is having an effect. Uh, a statement was released by Dover Athletic uh, earlier in the week saying that their players are now furloughed. I didn't even, I don't, I don't even, that wasn't even a word like two weeks ago. Uh, but they're, and all the players there are being paid 80% of their wages uh, for the time being. Uh, so Matt caught up with Dover Athletic manager Andy Hessentyler to discuss that. Firstly, Andy, how are you? I'm okay, Matt, thank you. Uh, crawling the walls at the moment, but uh, obviously at the moment it's, uh, you know, I think everyone, everybody's. Uh, um, doing what the government have told us to do and all self-isolating in, uh, in really difficult times at the moment. Yeah, How difficult has the last couple of weeks been for you? You're just a football manager, I'm not, not taking that away from you, but dealing with these other um, parts of what's going on 
in the football community. How difficult has it been for you personally? Yeah, it's been tough, but it's been tough. I'm sure it's been tough for every manager in football yeah, because it's, they're not knowing really what's going on. But and that's like everything in, in around the world at the moment, they're not knowing with this virus. So um, you know, no, there's no time scale. It's uh, you know, so it's difficult. But you know, I think the problem we've got is obviously the football situation. Um, up until Friday, we wasn't sure in terms of. Uh, obviously, the financial side of the implications. Um, we now know that in that, in terms of um, we've been we've been offered the furlough scheme at Dover. Uh, it's the only way way forward. Um, after talking to the chairman for the last week or so, it's uh, we're in difficult times. So um, we now know that's the position, and um, you know I think uh, at least that's been sort of resolved. And, and, and that's what we've got to do as a football club. Yeah, exactly. Jim Parmenter put out a statement at the weekend saying that the club had run out of money and putting the, uh, the, the, the lot of um, the players on furlough. You had a meeting with him. And you know, that's up to £2,500 and 80% of your wages. I don't know the wage bill of some of your players, but some of them may be paid more than that on a monthly basis. So how did the players take that decision? Yeah, I think, they, uh, again, it was tough in terms of they, they didn't really know what was going on. Um, but to be fair to the chairman, we had a conference call on Friday between the staff and uh, the captain and the vice captain, Kevin Locke and Michael Woods. Um, we couldn't have we couldn't have had everybody in the meeting in order. Uh, so uh, we used them as uh, obviously to, to go back and uh, be, be their representatives to go back to the players as a whole and, uh, and explain the situation. Um, you know. <laughs> Their views on it, I don't actually know. I've had a few players call me and, and, and try to explain it to them. And, uh, you know, like I said, the chairman's been honest. This is what it is. Uh, and we won't get paid uh, for the, probably next week and then maybe the week after, depending on the scheme itself. And until the scheme comes in, then, you know, every, every person's got to, um, you know, try and get through this situation for a couple of weeks and then we'll start getting paid again through the government. Um, so, listen, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I have put football on, on, you know, secondary to what's going on in the world. And, you know, people, you know, there's 260 people died over the weekend or more. And uh, you've got to put that into perspective. And, you know, football, you know, it becomes secondary at, at this present time. Yeah, it's difficult. I suppose players, like everybody, have got mortgages as well, so it's concerning. So, But Jim Parmenter, you know, he's a very experienced football chairman. Um, he rescued the club from when they had issues, so he will do what's best for the club. I presume that's where he's looking at, because at the end of the day, hopefully when this is all over, there's still a Dover Athletic Football Club. Is that a concern that you know that the club could have major issues going forward? You know, we're not the only club. There's loads of clubs in the same situation, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing knowing the chairman as I do and worked for him before, um, the one he's always done is made sure the players have got paid and. Uh, you know, we've all seen um, clubs that have been gone into uh, problems and not been able to pay the players. That's never happened at Dover. So this will be really difficult for the chairman in this position because he's a very proud man and he makes sure he looks after his workers. And you know, I think um, you know he's trying his best. He's doing what he can. Um, and uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there will be a football club next year. Um, going through this scheme and get through the next three months, then. Um, We'll, we'll see football at the club uh, maybe this season because this season's not finished yet uh, you know definitely next season 
going like that, you know, 18 months ago, you went full time and that sort of rescued you from relegation. Again, if some buts, could you see the club maybe going back to a part time basis or that could be a backward step from where you were, I presume? Yeah, it would be a backward step, but you know, again, finances dictate. I mean, whether that would happen, I don't know. Again, with the position we're in as a whole at the moment, that you know, that might be a conversation. But you know, at the moment, I think we're just concentrating on uh, trying to get through this uh, situation, a real tough situation for everybody around the world. And you know, like I said, we've just got to uh, take every day as it comes and. Yeah, also you mentioned about leagues there. Where do you stand? I know Jim's on the committee as well. Where do you stand? Should the um, league continue when we're back playing football or should it be expunged? Um, having watched a lot of Dover, I'd probably say you're not going down. Arguably, in my opinion, you're probably not going to go up either. So it's probably, where, where do you stand on that situation? Would you like the league to carry on to the end? Well, as a football man, I've been here a long time and a player, uh, an ex-player now. Um, I'd like to see it finished. I also understand the problems that that could bring. I mean, certainly with contracts at the moment in our league, you know, the players are contracts at the end of uh, end of April, uh, end of the season. Um, you know, and, um, so that brings its problem itself uh, with contracts. Um, if for football in general, uh, you know, I'd like to see it finished. But again, because there's no time frame about, about this virus, it's, it's a really difficult uh, conversation to be had. Uh, so, so I wouldn't like to be on the board or uh, of the FA because I've got to make some decisions. And uh, but for the integrity of football, yeah, let, let's try and get it finished at some stage, whether that be June, July, August, whenever. Try and finish it. I mean, uh, and then it will go go from there in terms of, of next season. So. Yeah, I would like to see it through this, but I think it's it's getting it's getting harder and harder. You know, as long as this uh, uh, longer this virus goes on, to be honest. Yeah, one of the things you know we're looking at the lower leagues as well in in Kent is the contract situation because players' contracts may finish at the last game of the season, and it's a difficult one how the league are going to plan with that with the contract yeah. situation at Dover. Is that are some of the players' contract finishes at the last game of the season? Does it? Pretty much, yeah, you know, about eight or nine of them. So then, obviously, if they did decide to, to the season to finish, then you're going into, uh, you know, different territory in terms of contracts. And and then, obviously, you know, then players wouldn't be under contract and you'd probably just go with the... If, you do try, if they do try and finish the league, then we'd have to finish the league with what players we've got left. That, that's how I see it. You know, I just can't see any other way around that. But then... What if clubs have got a lot more players out of contract than others that, that can't fulfil a team? You know, so it's a really difficult situation. I've got, I've got to say, um, like the finances. One thing I have said, and I'm really disappointed in because the Premier League haven't had you know one meeting to, to actually try and resolve our finances as, as, a, as a league and, and the lower leagues because you know we the Premier League use our league in terms of players. Uh, Getting experienced, we we take players out of Premier League clubs to, to help us, but that's also to help them. And uh, you know, I, I'm amazed that the, the Premier League haven't stepped in in terms of the amount that they've got to fill it down to help the lower leagues. And you know, that is one of one of the, my bare bones in terms of the situation at the moment. 
they could certainly help out. Where do you think football goes from here? Could it be looking at a change of the structure of football? Maybe there has been talk of before of maybe going, you know, League Three South and North and about after all of this. Do you think there could be an overview after this is all over, maybe looking at rejigging the system as well, would make it easier for clubs? Yeah, I think it might be. It could be a wake-up call, I think that's a good point. I think that, that could be the case, that we sit down, football sits down and, um, and, and realise what's happened. And uh, we don't want this to happen again. You know, it's, it, these circumstances hopefully won't happen again. It's, you know, um, hopefully it's just one-off. But, you know, it, it could be, you know, it, it could shake football up in terms of the, the situation. Yeah, but I presume you have been planning for next season already. So things like that, talking to players, etc., for next season—that's all off out the window as well now, which must be um, frustrating for yeah, you. Yeah, well. I mean, yeah, it's really tough. Tough in terms of looking forward. I don't think we can at the moment. I think we've just got to take every day um, and the situation. Uh, look after ourselves, you know, because that's that's the key. Because, like I said, so many people dying with this virus at the moment. It's just it's worrying. So um, yeah, I've been looking forward. That's on the back. And uh, like I said, Fort Wigan was pretty much on the back burner at the moment. I've got to try and survive this and, uh, and, and, and then come through and hopefully we'll be stronger for it. He made some good points there, Matt, and it's a, a difficult time for him and for the club. Yeah, it is. Um, Tim Parmenter, um, he said straight away, we've got no money, which is rightfully so. And a few, a few football league clubs, I think, have furloughed their players. I think Hartlepool have done it as well and Dover have got in. It will be tough for some of the players because they may be paid more than the £2,500 limit, but I think it's the wise decision to keep the club going forward. Um, the government, my, my view on this, great from the government to do it, but logistically, how are they going to do it? I don't know because sometimes you go on the um, HMRC websites and it, and it can't really cope that well. So, yeah, logistically, I don't want to do it, but football clubs are, are keen to do it. And the Sala future of Dover Athletic he thinks will be there Jim Parmenter he has some sort of you know difficult word to say this Jim is, is a football man uh, I think he looks after his staff as well so I know certain people certain people don't understand how he gets on at that point of view his communication but I think he's been first class here he's telling what's going on put the paper gun to the players and there you go and we'll hope to go from there will Dover go part time maybe a decision to be made really I think from that point of view and I think at the point, one thing Andy Hester did say, maybe the Premier League gives some money down. I don't think the greediness of the Premier League, if they're furloughing their non-footballing staff, but still paying their players £250,000 a week, they can give a monkeys about non-league clubs, which is a sad state of affairs. Um, and arguably, should they care about non-league clubs? But I can see where Andy Hester was coming from that point of view. Yeah, I mean, it has come out to, today that Tottenham Hotspur... Uh, are furloughing all of their non-playing staff down to 80%, uh, yet no mention of, of the players. And, and you know, a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, really start warning from Daniel Levy here. Well, yeah, but the, the problem is, is they're still paying all these players who can afford to go without wages for a, a few weeks. Uh, 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 they're still paying them the full whack, whereas the people who are trying to pay mortgages uh, on, a, on much less wages than, than people that they work with uh, are going to be hit, hit in the pocket by this. And, and that is... You know, that, that is the problem with the Premier League, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And again, clearly from what you're reading, the thing, if they would even come, as we said before, I don't think they need people coming through the gates to actually survive the Premier League clubs with the television money they're going to get um, from this point of view. So they're going to do their own thing and some of it will be done by the media because the media, you know, the sports channels want football on the telly. So 
again, the Sky Sports of this world, the BT Sports, probably couldn't give up, even though BT do the National League, do they ever care about the National League? Probably not, as long as we can show our Premier League football, because people, the advertisers, will return. So, disappointed from there. What would the point I made is also in that? Can we go, could we see National League, um, League, League 2 North, League 2 South? I think it could be lead to an overall restructuring of football to get clubs going. Is there any need for Dover to go to Barrow? Probably not. But could Dover play late Orient? Uh, who else is there? Southern League's there. I don't know. The other side, I can't think of any other Southern teams in, the, in that sort of division. Could they do that? That could make a decision that the FA could try and do that and maybe restructure football for the better so some of these clubs can survive. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I've never really been a, a fan of that too much. Um, but then I suppose from the point of view, what they need to do maybe is, um, you know, perhaps the National League sh- should be just north and south in its Premier Division because that would make life a little bit sort of easier and, and take the strain off those clubs. And then, But I think the, the worry is, is that um, you never know the strength of the south and the north. And, and while it's not particularly a problem for our Kent clubs, uh, it is a bloody nightmare for some clubs in, in, in the Midlands and even as far down as Essex sometimes when they get slung into northern divisions. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking more in the Football League that maybe the National League sides could get from that point of view. They'll have to have a cut-off point. But it may be that just try, not try it, we used to work before, to save clubs the money from doing these things. But, and I think some of these clubs, I've got to look at them as well. I know Dover travel up on the train to a lot of games, but a lot of sides, when they come down to Dover, they have an overnight stay. So you've got to look at the finances from this point of view with the, with the road technology and the train we have these days. Is there any need for staying away? Clubs have got to look cut their cloths accordingly, and I'm sure some of the bigger clubs who are doing these things may decide to do little things a little bit differently when it all comes about. But I think there's a lot of restructuring. A lot of clubs, you know, where are they wasting money? And so, not wasting money, but having money that they probably save. Yeah, as we say, that the National League, we don't know what's going to happen uh, with their season as yet. Um, there, there was no sort of statement that obviously football is. Um, completely abandoned at the moment. I'm just on their website now and, and they actually have a full programme of fixtures for this Saturday uh, coming. Uh, so, Matt, you'll be pleased to know that you're uh, you're going to Wrexham Saturday. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't going to Wrexham, but when football does do, if Dover are away at Barrow, I will probably try and go just to say support to support him. It would be great if the people of all the local teams, the local towns and people locked in, when they come back, if the clubs can really push it, so sense of community, the football club is the part of the community. Let's get the first home game gets many people back, showing the support for the club and their town as well. It'd be great if that can happen. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I'd imagine that first uh, the first weekend when when football does come back, we're going to see some big big attendances up and down the country, and yeah. obviously uh, hoping as uh, as well that when people are allowed to travel, they'll be uh, flocking to seafront B and Bs as well because that would be really <laughs> handy. Yeah, that'd be handy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it is uh, tough times. But as I say, according to the National League website, there's still a full program of fixtures on Saturday. So uh, looking forward to seeing the uh, Dartford against Maidstone game at, at the Gallagher oh, as well. Cracker, absolute cracker that. Yeah. Uh, you can yeah. Play, I can't even play that on football manager. I think various people are doing various things, aren't they? So. Yes, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I've got my, I've got a game football manager on the go, but that's, uh, that's. Uh, I've got, well, I've got a couple, but I've, I've got one that I've been playing a little bit over the last uh, few days. But we shall see how we go uh, in, in the way forward. So, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, well, normally I'd run through the fixtures uh, about now, but there, there aren't any. Um, so I suppose. Well, I mean, hopefully everybody's keeping well and you're finding things to amuse yourself. If you have found something 
uh, non-league football related that is amusing you, uh, then please get in touch with us on Twitter. You can find us at Kent NL Podcast uh, on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook as well. We're at Kent Non-League. And please do get in touch with us because we would love to hear from you because, trust me, you know we want to talk to anyone at the moment, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you're a big Neighbours fan, Who's your favourite character in Neighbours? Yes, absolutely. Tell us, take us back and tell us uh, which people you have. Uh, fat- Suddenly, Angry Anderson. Yeah. Uh, if you play that bit in there, John, I was one of my favourite songs. Was Suddenly by Angry Anderson. I'm not playing that. Oh no, it's a great tune. I know it's pro- there's probably some sort of rights issue on that, and to, to be honest, I'm not making any money anywhere else, <laughs> so um, I, I really can't afford to start willy nilly chucking money out so you can play some <laughs> bloody neighbour song in it. Do you remember? I suppose there used to be a bit of a transfer coup because one week you'd be home and away, then you'd get a big money move to Ramsey Street, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. And vice versa. Yeah, exactly. I uh, think uh, Craig McLaughlin, he went from one to the other, I think. Yes, he did. I think he went the other way around, though. He started off in Neighbours and went to Home and Away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But always, you know, to me, Neighbours was always the bigger club. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's that, that's where you... Uh, that, that's your... Uh, they're, they're your National League club and Home and Away is, is knocking around in the Isthmian League Premier Division, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and a bit of glory days, but they're back to where they belong. But Neighbours will always... Um, Go from there, and I I thought, to be fair, Neighbours is even better than EastEnders, and EastEnders, they used to be a big Premier League club, they're a bit like Bolton, I think now, EastEnders. Are you basically saying that Home and Away are Margate? Well, well, I didn't want to say that, no, but yeah, they probably are. (laughs) They flitted around with a big time. And then it went a little bit wrong from their point after that. Yeah, they're still they're still plodding along, still popular in some quarters, but it's just not working out for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Apologies to any Margate fans listening to that, uh, but that seems like the perfect uh, way for us to finish this week's podcast. Thank you everybody for listening. We hope we're tr- we're in some way uh, keeping your spirits up uh, over these uh, difficult difficult times uh, and uh, yeah hopefully everybody's keeping well as I said we're on Twitter at Kent L Podcast we're on Facebook at Kent Non-League uh, look after yourselves stay indoors uh, and please uh, be careful and we will speak to you all sometime soon probably next week take care that's when good neighbours become good friends